0: Hello, all, and welcome to episode 94 of the Man to Man NBA Show podcast. Today, we have a very, very, I want to say special episode, but a very unique episode to say the least. I'll get into that in a little bit. But first, I got to tell you about BetMGM, because that's who today's episode is brought to you by. Uh, BetMGM, another betting app of the many we have used in the past. I could say BetMGM is our personal favorite. It is offering a first-time user promo with a super easy bet. Put $10 down and win a cool $200 for whatever team you bet on, simply scoring a touchdown. That's as easy as it gets. $10 down on the Bucks, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders, anybody you want, $10 down, cool $200 they score a touchdown. And that's your money to use to bet on bigger and better things. Does not get much better than that. If you want to use this awesome deal, go ahead and use the link in any of our social media bios, at Man to Man Podcast. Get yourself some free betting money. We got some uh, NFL playoffs coming up the rest of the NBA season, you're going to want to have that money in your account to be a part of the fun and in on the action. Use the BetMGM first time user promo. That is BetMGM. They are a proud partner of the Man-to-Man podcast. We're happy to be working with them. Go win yourself some money and support the show while you do it. And now that that's out the way, I will explain why this is a unique episode. This is a unique episode because while that name is man-to-man, that is a bit of a lie today because today is a JP solo pod. I, uh, Andy and Liam have a m- big, big slate of things to do this week, including a very special interview. You will not want to miss it. Uh, it's going to be with a, a special guest. I don't want to spoil who it is, but it's, it's one of the bigger interviews we've ever had. They've been working on that very hard. The lifestyle episode is going to be popping off this week. Make sure you're part of it. But that is what they're focused on. That's what they're working on. And that leaves me to hold down the NBA fort, which I'm happy to do. While we're getting into it, uh, I can say this is my first time really ever doing a solo pod. I'm going to try to make sure we cover all my bases, but it, you know, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you choose, uh, and tell me whether I sucked, whether you liked this. Hit us up on the At Man to Man podcast, social media, say more of, uh, if you want to see more of this by any chance, or if you want never want to see this again, I understand either way. So... While we get into the JP Solo pod, it is a good day in the NBA to have things to talk about because today, as I record, it's Sunday. You'll hear this on Monday. So for you, it'll be yesterday. But for me, it is Clay Day, which is Clay Thompson's first game back in the NBA in over two full seasons. I saw a tweet today that said Clay has not played since when coronavirus wasn't a thing, which is insane to think about, but it's the truth. Uh, Clay has been down with a plethora of injuries, a knee injury, Achilles injury, uh, really for over 900 days, which is a long, long time for an NBA player, um, especially a guy like Clay who was really just never hurt. He was kind of an Iron Man up until these last few years, and him not being in the NBA has been really, really sad, because he's such an incredible player. He has all the talent in the world. I think the best jump shot, pure jump shot of all time. Uh, anybody who's learning to shoot a basketball should just try to mimic that 100 times over. Um, I, I love Klay Thompson. I think he's a great two-way player, and, and he's back. Um, as of the time I'm recording this, I, his game has not started yet. Uh, so, but when you hear this, he will have already played. And I'm just gonna say that he had a great game. You know, he probably played about 25 minutes, knocked down some threes. It was just uh, um, the Bay Area crowd was super excited to have him back, and uh, I'm sure it was awesome. But uh, I'm sure we will talk more about that next week when everybody's back and Klay has played a full week of games. Uh, in the meantime, though, we can say that. The Warriors getting Clay Thompson back is quite scary, and it's something that we've talked about all year. Uh, the fact that this Warriors team is top of the West, second of the West right now, but right up there with the Suns. They've been playing great ball, even with Steph slowing down a little bit. He's been in the worst cold streak of his entire career, and they just find ways to win games. Uh, the Warriors are really, really good. They're bringing back an incredible player, easy top 100 player in the history of the NBA. The guy who will come back and shoot 42% from three, space the floor for him, play great defense, even coming off an injury. Uh, the Clay Thompson return for the Warriors is scary for the rest of the NBA and great for us as fans. So that's all we got on Clay Day. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about next week after we see a full week of his play. But uh, yeah, it's it's a time to celebrate for every NBA fan. Now, typically after the, uh, the little intro part of the pod, we do a trivia question, but Andy he handles the trivia questions, so in I'm not going to give myself a trivia question that doesn't make any sense. So in ch- exchange for a trivia question this week, I'm going to talk about something that I really like in the NBA, and it's something that I think flies under the radar a little bit in the NBA, just because the NBA is almost entirely a reality show now, which is awesome. It's great for fans. It, it truly is a... a year-round sport when they're not playing we got free agency we got trade talk we got draft it's great but uh, as a fan of the nba and just a fan of basketball in general uh, i i want to talk about the idea that there is no defense played in the nba which i think uh, it when you talk to kind of casual fans people don't really follow the nba that is like their their number one quarrel with nba is that oh these guys you know they don't play bass they don't play basketball because they don't play defense they it's all offense who's gonna how are these teams scoring 120 points yada 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 and and i will say to an extent i understand that i understand where you're coming from and if you just watch the nba without really understanding what's going on as a lot of people do just because basketball is a complicated sport you may think that way you may think these guys are not playing defense and and I don't think it's that at all. Sure, some of these guys take possessions off, but if you were going to play 82 professional basketball games of the year, plus playoffs, you'd have to take some possessions off too. But the reason the NBA, and if you are a full-time NBA fan, I'm sure you'll agree with me, but this is even, you can just take some of these points and bring them back to these people you talk about where it's like, oh, they don't play defense, yada, yada, yada. This is just what I've gathered can kind of help bridge that gap. Something to talk about is the fact that NBA offenses, are so incredibly good that it can make really good defense look like no defense at all. Take Kevin Durant, for example. Guys have been trying to figure out how to card Kevin Durant forever, his entire career. I remember a few years back when uh, the Warriors were playing the Clippers and guys like Lou Will, Pat Bev, they were in these press conferences and people were asking them, which seems like a dumb question, but it is a question that you have to ask as a reporter. How do you stop Kevin Durant? And Pat Lou Will both looked at the reporter and said, I don't know. How do you stop Kevin Durant? Do you have an idea? Please tell me if you do. The the truth of the matter is, is there is no way to stop Kevin Durant, just like there's no way to stop NBA offenses 100% of the time. NBA offenses are really, really damn good. They have literal dozens upon dozens of coaches and video analysts and the players themselves, and outside court uh, consultants and correspondents they use to design their offenses, to score against defenses. It, it, it to say defense isn't being played is, is short sighted because the offense is just that good. And not to say that they don't have these analysts for this defense. Of course they do, but it, it's just how it goes. They, they are. And not to say that these teams, even the best teams in the league still don't really shoot 50% from the field. The defense is working over half the time. That's pretty damn good. When you think about how good these guys are at basketball, in an open gym, these NBA players, they shoot minimum 70%. And then you throw a defense out there, and and if you shoot 40%, 50% for a game, that's pretty damn good. There is so much defense being played. They're incredible. The best defenders in the world play in the NBA. Don't let anybody tell you different. That is a fact. If you can play incredible defense, you can play in the NBA. There, There is so much little things that go into it. It's guarding off of, It's do you blitz off a high screen? Do you guard the back cut? Do you take your chances on a double team? When is Is it worth a trap in the corner or are you just going to play man up? And all of these things are happening in a 24-second shot clock. It is fascinating to watch defense. And if you truly do not believe defense is being played, I would ask you to watch the game in a different way. Don't watch the ball handler all the time. Watch what's going on off ball. Watch what's happening – everywhere else on the court besides at the top of the key. So that that's that's just my little rundown on it. You know, usually we have a trivia question here. And again, like I said, it doesn't make any sense for me to give myself a trivia question. So I just want to talk a little bit about that, riff a little bit about that. And uh, hopefully, you know, maybe that gives you an idea of, of something to say to somebody if they ever bring that up, if you're ever in that discussion, or if you feel that way, maybe just a little change of opinion to bring you away from oh, they don't play defense. Of course they play defense. It's half the game, and they play it pretty damn well when you look at it from a little different point of view. Now, one game that there will need to be a lot of defense played in, because there's going to be a lot of offensive firepower, is my game of the week this week. It is on Wednesday night. It is the Charlotte Hornets at the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, The Charlotte Hornets, I mean, what's to say? They're dynamic. They're young. They're high flyers. They're really good, but they're right in a playoff fight in the East. No guarantees they make the playoffs. And uh, that's because with COVID they've been up and down a little bit. They're starting to find their stride again, but the East is tough this year and, and going against a team like the Sixers who is, who will be making the playoffs. They're they're, I, they're really finding their stride right now at a good time. Big Joe, Joel Embiid's playing away into MVP conversation. Uh, both teams are playing well right now, but the Sixers are stupid hot. Uh, I, as a, I'm not a fan of either of these teams. I enjoy watching them, but I have no real skin in the game. And so, just as a third-party fan, um, the question I have for this game is who's going to guard Joel Embiid. Um, so I'm taking I'm, I'm going to take the Sixers, probably money line, uh, just because I, I, I don't really trust those points. But I'm probably take Sixers money line. I think Big Joe has a good, big game, and I think the uh, Hornets come out of Philly with a loss. However, in when it comes down to it, if these two teams play. In a playoff, in a seven-game series, yeah, maybe you can't guard Big Joe for four games. I don't know. I'd love to see it, but for right now, I'm taking the Sixers. Uh, Liam and Andy do not have games of the week this week, uh, obviously, because they're not here. Uh, I did hit on my game of the week this most recent week. I took the Bulls spread versus the Wizards at home. They won by 12. The spread was about 5.5. So I'm now 2-2 and and 1-0 and in my last one. So that's all that really matters, you know? What can you do for me now kind of league. So, and now with man-to-man worthy, I usually throw it to all the other guys. But because it's just me, I pick some things I really want to talk about. And uh, I'm going to assume these are all man-to-man worthy because uh, I, I like to talk about all of them. So, I, I'll, spoilers out already. Every single one of these is going to be man-to-man worthy. So, uh, just a little preparation there. But to start, Kyrie Irving has officially played this season. And he honestly looked pretty damn good. And a win over the Pacers. He uh, can still only play in away games. New York is certainly not bringing their vaccination policies, they're not backtracking them. So Kyrie Irving, as long as he won't get vaccinated, he's not going to be able to play in any home games or any games in New York, for that matter, or California, I believe. I'm not entirely sure the rules on that one, but he definitely won't be able to play in New York. Um, is this even still worth talking about is is the question I think that is presented to me, uh, Andy and Liam when they're here, and just kind of the basketball media as a whole is we know that Kyrie's probably not going to get the shot. Even come playoff time, he's probably not going to come get the shot. So is is this even what we're talking about? Or at this point, is it just what it is? Is it like, a, I don't know, a guy can't play in Canada for whatever reason? And then the fact is, that's just how it is at this point. Um, Kyrie Irving is really good. When the Nets have him in the lineup, they're really, really good. James Harden has not been the James Harden that he always is. He's still, he'll say he's trying to get into shape. I think it's just the fact that, this team isn't designed to play entirely around him like the Rockets team was, so it's making it a little harder on him. Uh, with with Kyrie running this offense after taking off months of basketball, months of playing basketball, he was definitely working out, but months of playing in games, he came in and just looked perfect. Uh, it was it looked like he had never left this offense. Uh, there is it's a, it's a shame we don't get to watch this on a nightly basis, but I, I think it's just how it is. I think it's not really even honestly, at this point past this next week, depending on how he plays when they're, the nets are going on a road stretch here. So we're going to see a lot of Kyrie and we'll see how really good they are with him. but they talking as if Kyrie is going to be able to, is somehow miraculously going to change his stance and the nets are going to become this absolute wagon powerhouse. I don't think it's worth it because I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and in the playoffs, if all of a sudden the nets coming down to it, are looking really good with Kyrie and not so good without him. And they draw a tough first round matchup. It, it's going to be, it's obviously New York law is New York law, New York rules, New York rule, but the NBA is going to have to figure something out. Because if you want the best players on the court in the most watched games, Kyrie Irving has to be in this game. He has to be in those games, Either, or else it's not going to be the same. I, I, watching Kevin Durant dominate is a lot of fun, but. People turn the TV on for Kyrie uh, the way he's been able to the, be his best finisher, probably in the history of basketball at his size, uh, his handle is insane. The shot is still good. You, you need Kyrie on the TV. And if you're the NBA, I think you know that. So that's a, that's a conversation to have in the future. But for right now, this just is how it is. And we'll get to see, keep watching him play it on road games. And I guess we'll just be happy about that. Uh, the Phoenix Suns. First to thirty wins, they got there last week. Uh, congrats to the Suns. So they—they, they, I saw a stat. It was like the most wins in a 365-day period, so one year. Uh, the or maybe it was just in a, a calendar year, something to that extent. And the the Suns were like the third most of all time, behind some really really good teams like the Bulls and the Warriors, and in um, uh, being this just last in 2021, and uh, that. Is something to celebrate. It really is. I mean, runner up last year to the a really good Bucks team. They had a lead uh, for a team that has been. We used to say they were overperforming, but now they're just good. They're they're not overperforming. They've been able to do it consistently, night in, night out. Now the game after they got thirty wins, they turn around and immediately lost to the Heat, who are injured and have a lot of COVID. They shot them out of the gym it was one hundred twenty three to one hundred, I believe. And so now the Suns are at thirty and nine with uh, thirty nine games played. Uh, they'll have just a little bit over 40 games left to go. And now the question arises, are the Suns a 60 win team? Mathematically, if they keep on this exact path, they're going, if they, they don't go on any cold stretches, they don't get super hot all of a sudden again, although to be fair, they were super hot at one point when they won how many ever in a row, but that will say if they somehow keep on this trend, that would get them to 60 wins. Just barely. They'd be right around 61, 62. I don't think it happens. I think that they don't have that hot stretch in them again, or they can't, they won't have that ability to keep that sort of winning trajectory. So I think they probably end up right around like 55, which is again, this is an incredible season to go 55 and whatever that'd be 55 to 18, 55 to 17, excuse me. is pretty incredible. Uh, Most teams will never even sniff that, but in the West, I'm not sure 55 wins gets you to the one seat. Is the problem? It would so many years in the past, but recently 55 wins is not enough, and it's I really don't think it'll be enough with this Warriors team uh, when they bring Clay back. The 55 wins, the rate, it's going to be a race to 60, and then 60 gets you the one seat. Granted, is the one versus two seat in the West in the current playoff format that different? Probably not. The playoff, the play-in games, excuse me, makes it a little more interesting, but. I, everybody wants to be the one seed. You want to have the one seed. You want to always have home court advantage, uh, at least on your side of the bracket. Uh, and every team wants to be the one, it's just how it is. And Typically, one seeds do pretty damn good in the NBA playoffs. So are the Suns a 60-win team? I don't think so. Probably not. Are they a 55-win team? Probably. Is 55 enough to get you the one seed? I don't know. So we'll see. It's going to be a hell of a battle. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm super excited to watch them come down. And uh, I think something that's going to have to come up with the, the Suns here is just can they stay healthy? Devin Booker's back from his injury. Chris Paul's always been a bit of an iron Ironman, to, but, you know, sometimes every once in a while he misses a few games here and there. If they have a stretch where they have of oh, their starting five, maybe two guys are out. Maybe it's, you know, Book and Aiden, or maybe it's Paul and McCall Bridges can't get fully healthy. Then they're going to slip They're They have to slip. They're a deep team. They're not that deep. And then we're looking at 50 wins. Now then you're looking at a three seed or a four seed and then it's all of a sudden, holy shit, you get the Clippers in the first round and you don't really want to play the Clippers or you get uh, who knows in the first round. All of a sudden, one of the hottest teams in basketball, you got to play them. And it's, uh, it's a tough spot to be in. So it's a, it's, a, it's a race. I think the Suns, as good as they are, have a very, very uphill battle in front of them. Now, going from the West, going out to the East, and from a team that's playing great to a team that has not been playing so great, uh, the Boston Celtics, head coach Ima, Udo, Ima Udoko excuse me, criticized his team for lack of mental toughness after an atrocious blow and loss to the Knicks. Uh, Evan Fournier put up a 40 bomb on you. Come on now. Uh, talked about needing a calming presence on the team when time gets tough. Now, I know he meant a player, but Isn't that your job as the head coach to be the calming presence for your team to, to make sure your team is mentally tough and probably not go whining to the press about it. I I don't know. That's just me. I don't really get it. Adoka is a first time head coach. I get it, but I don't see the point in going and complaining to the press and saying, we need to be this when you are the man in charge. How about you make it that way? I don't know that that is for me. it, It was tough read and, I understand what he's saying. I, I think he's asking for one of his leaders, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, somebody to come up and realize, hey, we somebody has to say something in these huddles. That's not, come on, boys, we got to figure it out. And maybe it's just, hey, guys, we're okay. Let's uh, go out there and execute these next couple of plays, which you do need on a team. And you need guys on the court that can do that. However, as a head coach, you should be taking some responsibility for that. And he does, but was not a good look, in my opinion. Brad Stevens as the uh, the front office man will certainly have something to say about it. Um, it's it was as again as an outside fan tough to see, and as I'm sure as a Celtics as Celtics fans feel the same way. Uh, but beyond all that, because that is a one time thing in the news cycle, we'll go past it very soon. Uh, what is wrong with the Celtics team? Uh, they have so much talent, and they're just not winning games. They the the blown loss lead to the Knicks was was insane. I mean they. There's no way around it. It was really bad. Uh, but if you're the Celtics here and you're the GM, you're Brad Stevens or you're Ima Udoku, or you're anybody, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you have to realize things are not good. There is a problem and it's not, it, it's deep in the roots here. It, there is Jason Tatum, the guy. I don't know. I, I, I think he is. I think he's got the scoring talent to be is Jalen Brown. The second best player on a championship team. Not right now, he's not. I mean some people would argue Jalen Brown's the best player on the team. In which case then you have to ask yourself, is Jason Tatum the second best player on a championship team? The truth is, I don't think so. neither of those guys. They could both be I think both those guys could be in the future the second best player on a championship team, but not with the Celtics roster they have right now. Dennis Schroeder at point guard it's it's not working. It's just not, it it was a a little bit of a stretch to begin with. They have too many ball dominant guys. Uh, It's, I mean, Al Horford's a fine center, but he's not a game changer. Marcus Smart, same guy he's always been, Uh, you know, it really helps your team, but he's not going to push you to a deep playoff run or anything like that. The the Celtics have problems and it's, it's in their roster makeup. And as good as Jason Tatum can be, as good as Jalen Brown can be, the, the problems run deeper. So, I I think there has to be some changes made. A team that I would look for to be poss- possibly making some trades with the Celtics here coming up soon would be a team like the Nuggets, a team that's a kind of low playoff, have a superstar who really needs a change, uh, could you know bring in some some help for Jokic. Jalen Brown and Jokic on the same court. My goodness, that sounds absolutely scary for everybody else. Uh, we'll see some some more Nuggets talk coming up soon, but that would be something that I think would be – Absolutely outstanding. Um not that I'm saying either team is going to make a trade with each other, but that is something I would look for. Uh I, I have absolutely no sources on that, but just something I I've been thinking about. So yeah, the Celtics, there's there's some deep-seated issues. Uh you, you gotta go to team therapy, you know. <laughs> Somebody's gotta sit down and look at the rest of the team and say, We got we gotta make some changes here. So look out for Boston to be making some changes. Uh and yeah, that's all I got on the Celtics. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully they can change it around, or we might be seeing Tatum and Brown in some different colors besides the green and white here soon. Uh, MVP ladder, uh, not super MVP talk season yet, although I think this is a very good example of you can't win the MVP before the All-Star break, but you can certainly lose it. Um, LeBron trending upwards, coming off the injury. He's been playing out of his mind for the Lakers. I mean, LeBron, if he's not the GOAT, he's number two. And he's been absolutely hooping recently, scoring the most he has in a, his recent career. Um, Big Joe in uh, Philly. For a team that is, again, overperforming a little bit, Joel Embiid's been awesome on both sides of the court. He always just the same player he is, but he's healthy. He always has been. Um, he's a really, really fun guy to watch out the post, which there's only a couple of those in the league right now. So, uh, yeah, LeBron and Joel Embiid trending up. But if somebody's trending up, that means somebody has to be trending down. And as we alluded to earlier, it is Steph Curry. Steph, ever since breaking the record, and even a little bit before breaking the all-time threes record and hitting 3,000 threes, the sh- it's just, he's cold. There's something about it's it not there. And granted, cold for Steph is still pretty good compared to everybody else, but the offense has, has not been flowing as it was at the beginning of the year for the Warriors. Steph's not making his shots. Guys don't have to press up on him as much as they think. And um, as, as great as the Warriors have been, if this continues to be a problem, it's going to be a big deal. Um, we saw with the Cavs series a few years back with the one that, that they lost. When Steph's shot isn't there, that the rest of the, the offense, because there is so much gravity to Steph and because the ball runs through Steph so much, when he's not shooting that 40% clip, the rest of the offense can can break down. Uh, and I I don't think that'll be the case. I think Steph's getting it out of the way now. He's uh, sitting tonight or sat recently, probably playing tonight, I'd imagine, with Clay. But um I'm just trying to get that little bit of that weight off take a break, maybe, maybe take a week off here soon. Come the all-star break. He'll be an all-star. So I'll take the all-star break to kind of hang out, maybe get in that three point contest, work on the stroke a little bit. And uh, he'll, he'll come back. Is it enough to put himself back at the top of the MVP ladder? Eh, probably not. I don't think so. I think that that is probably gone for Steph at this point, especially with clay coming back. That'll probably hurt Steph's chances a little bit. Um, I, Guys like Jokic, Giannis, KD at the top right now are are pretty firm with LeBron and Big Joe pushing their way up. But uh, Steph is uh, – what once looked like a runaway year for Steph is, is certainly not going to be the case. And um, I think the Warriors would certainly trade and Steph a, a another MVP for a championship if that's what it ends up being. But – Uh, Yeah, I don't think Steph's really an MVP candidate at the moment anymore just because of how it's been going. But if he turns it around right now and by the all-star break, he's back to Steph Curry standards, I may be eating my words. But at the moment, I don't think so. He's probably fallen back out of the top five right now. I would probably put KD, Jokic, Giannis, LeBron, and Joel Embiid in front of him at the moment. We will see. Can't win it right now, but can certainly, certainly lose it. Uh, For LeBron and Joel Embiid, what would it take from the Lakers and the Sixers for these guys to be in legitimate contenders. Um, As we know, as much as this is a individual award, there is always a team aspect to it. First off, your team has to make the playoffs, which I think the Lakers and Sixers both will, although the Lakers are making it interesting. Um, the lowest seed, recent seed we saw was Russ with the Thunder in his triple double year. They were a six or a seven seed bottom half. And uh, that was when Russ did something that nobody's done in literal decades. Um, so I don't think we will see that be the case this year. Um, it's, it's going to require either one of these Lakers or Sixers jumping up into the top half of their, their playoffs and really dominating down the stretch. I think for LeBron or, uh, Joel Embiid just with how good everybody else has played. Uh, Giannis has been absolutely absurd for a good Bucks team. Jokic kind of falls into the same trap here. Although, you know, the analytics and the the advanced statistics will tell you that Jokic is the best player in the league by far, but at the end of the day, we all know that's not what everybody votes on, so I would take, I'll say Jokic definitely needs kind of the same thing. The Nuggets are going to need to step up, and they're going to need to absolutely fall into that top half, or else it's going to be KD and Giannis in a pretty much one-two battle. Um, So, yeah, that's about all I got on MVP. Um, Guys outside that, any guy that I haven't talked about the chance at winning MVP. DeMar DeRozan, but probably not. Although he has been hooping recently. I think I think you're I think the the pretty standard top five, top six has already been solidified, and I doubt we see anybody outside of that making a run for it. Speaking a little bit of the Nuggets, uh the Nuggets are one of the first teams to make a trade. Uh the deadline is coming up in February, but the stove's heating up just a little bit, about a month out. Uh Bull Bull, who I must say is one of the most fascinating prospects in NBA history is free from being buried on the Nuggets bench. Uh, He has been traded from the Denver Nuggets to the Detroit Pistons going from cold to cold there, I must say, but going to the Pistons and the uh, Pistons sent to the Nuggets in exchange. Rodney Magruder, rotational guard and a second round pick, which is seems just super cheap for someone with bowls upside. I mean, this is a guy who, who's one has like a seven seven wingspan, can shoot it. Yeah, he's skinny as a rail, but if you watch the highlights, there's certainly some talent there. Uh, on a team as bad as the Pistons, is going to be playing a ton, I'd imagine. But I don't see why they won't experiment with him. Him and Cade Cunningham, I mean, they the, the, the Pistons are working their way to be able to run a pretty massive starting lineup with uh, Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bey, uh, Bull Bull, guys like that. Just going to be huge across the top. I'd I'd imagine Jeremy Grant gets dealt here soon, but that's kind of the point. The Pistons are tanking a little bit. So the question for me is that, is this Bull Bull trade, is this a Thon Maker situation where the upside never presents itself and everybody's like, oh, but if you throw him in a trade, he could be this, this, and this, and then he just never turns into that? Or are we about to see a major leap with some more time? And I... Obviously, it'll probably end up being somewhere in the middle as all these trades do. Bull Bull will probably be like, oh, yeah, that guy is pretty good, but he's not, you know, a major piece on a championship team. But this is something that I think as an NBA fan, everybody should be celebrating because it just shows that Bull Bull is going to get a chance to be on a court more. We haven't really seen him play consistently since the beginning of his freshman year at Oregon before he got hurt. And when he was at Oregon, it was pretty damn cool watching this guy move on a basketball court. Uh, in the. I remember watching him in a scrimmage at in the bubble when the Thunder or excuse me, when the Nuggets were playing tall ball with five bigs and just, yeah, he was so raw and he was pissing off Michael Malone left and right. But just seeing the guy, you're like, that is incredible. He is so cool on the basketball court. So I, I, I am super excited to see ball ball play more. His upside's insane. The potential is through the roof. I, I am amped up and I, I hope we see him play for the Pistons a lot. It'll make the Pistons must-watch TV, I can assure you that, which they are absolutely not right now, although Cade Cunningham is very, very good. So that's all I got for Man to Man Worthy. Um, I I would say that uh, we're about to reach what I like to call kind of the dog days of the season. Um, There's the few weeks leading up to the All-Star break and then the few weeks after where a lot of teams are still fighting themselves, they're figuring it out, and players are just kind of trying to get through it. They're trying to get two vacation, then they're trying to get to the playoffs. And so scores can be a little eh, games can be a little eh, but that's why we got trade deadline. That's why we got All Star Break. That's why we got and then the the final run to the playoffs, which is gonna be super tight this year it's looking like. So hopefully some more interesting stories coming up uh when I have my boys back and we can rip off of it. But yeah, that's that's how we're feeling right now. So about the uh about the halfway mark of the episode, about two thirds. Uh I do want to talk about the All Star game because it's coming up. And All Star voting has been consistently going on for the last for about a week, week and a half. Uh, every, you know, Kyrie Irving has more votes than Fred Van Vliet, stuff like that. Classic fan vote stuff. But it, it's just cool to watch. But I, I do want to talk about right now. I think something that we're going to work on as a team, as a man to man team, is an uh, All Star Eliminator Challenge. Which is basically, uh, we're going to go through. And we're going to try to guess 24 the who will be the 24 all-stars and the odds of us guessing all 24 is, is pretty insane. I don't think I, that would ever happen. So just because when it comes down to it, the difference between guys that are like 18th to twenty fourth to 28th to 30th in the league are are just so, so tight. So that'll never happen. And part of why it's good for us. That'll never happen. That we will never guess all 24 is because it allows for us a competition. And, um, it's pretty easy to guess who the, who the starters will be or guys who are kind of like immediates right after the starters, kind of the 1 through 15 area. Um, that is where probably where I'll take over. I'll probably try to guess the first eight here today, um, talk about them a little bit, and then I'll when the guys are back in, we'll have them guess, and whoever has the first person to guess somebody who isn't an all-star, there will be a punishment. Whoever guesses the most or doesn't get any wrong, there will be a reward. We haven't decided that yet. But uh, that is just coming up in the next few weeks, just as a heads up to you, the viewer and listener at home. But while uh, while it's just me here and while this because this part wouldn't be really much of a competition, I'll talk about who I think are probably the first eight guys who are just absolutely guaranteed all stars. And I've actually already talked about a few of them because a lot of these guys are pretty high in the MVP conversation. But it's always fun to highlight these superstars because they are that good. We have some of the best superstars in the league history right now. So, I'll start off with my number one, who I would put as my number one vote for the All-Star break this year. If I had a vote, obviously I don't. But for the All-Star game, uh, my number one vote so far would be Kevin Durant. Um, I think he has been the best player in the league so far. Uh, He's been the best offensive player, best scoring threat in the league for many years now. There's never been a player like him. Um, He's a (laughs) seven-foot combo guard with one of the deepest bags. Uh, watching him sprint down and shoot a fadeaway mid-range jumper over literally everybody in the league for a bucket 75% of the time is pretty cool. It, it's awesome to see a guy like that. He, uh, With the Nets, the rest of the roster being made up of what feels like gum and tape sometimes, uh, he's just been consistent. And he's a threat to go off for 40 any night. The shot's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, he's been carrying the Nets sometimes, although he deferred to Cam Thomas, rookie Cam Thomas, to get him the bucket to, for the win tonight. But that's also part of being a, a leader on a team is being knowing when to, when to defer. So uh, I'm, I'm going to put KD as my number one vote, and I'm fairly confident he's going to be an all-star. He'll probably be a captain, either him or Giannis, I'd imagine, out of the East. Uh, my number two vote right now would be still Steph. Um, I think he... What he did the beginning part of the season cannot be overlooked. Yeah, he's been cold recently, but beginning of the year he was the runaway best player besides maybe KD. Uh, he it's still Steph Curry. He's absolutely an All Star. He's one of the best players we've ever seen. Um, he's one certainly one of the most influential players. He should be an All Star every single year until he retires, and uh, he should be recognized for many years after that. Um, he'll be in assuming he's not injured or doesn't want to sit it out. He will be playing in the All Star game. I would bet my life on it. Uh he's my number two vote and uh we'll see if he ends up participating in the in like the three point contest. Uh which he has done many times in the past. It is a point of pride for him and it's fun to watch him shoot in three point contests and just realize how good he is at simply shooting a basketball with nobody defending him. But yeah Steph would be my number two vote and uh he he is fun to watch in the All-Star game watching him chuck. He's not as athletic and high flying as some of these other guys But when he pulls up from like 38 feet and just splashes it, it's always so cool. So Steph would be my number two vote, and I'm guessing he will be in the All-Star game. Uh, Number three would be Giannis. What can we say about Giannis that hasn't been said so many times before? Absolute freak of nature. Two-time MVP. uh, Recent finals MVP and finals champion. Giannis is really, really good at basketball. And he has the body type that just can't be matched. When he comes barreling into the lane, jumps from a foot inside the free throw line and just reaches over massive individuals and dunks it on their heads. That is all-star basketball. That is all-star basketball to a T. He doesn't always do that in the all-star game, which is probably fair because nobody wants to get hurt, but it is so damn fun to watch. And uh, that uh obviously I could go into the stats as well, but I don't really need to because we all know who Giannis is. We know what he can do. So Giannis would be my number three vote. And he's damn fun to watch in all star games. I, I, I absolutely adore it. Uh he he really tries, I think is something that in you know, the past few all star games few they've uh, more players started trying with the new scoring system, which is fun to, and cool to see as a fan, because in the past, you know, watching guys' team score almost two hundred points was cool, but also you're like, I wish there was a little more effort. But uh it Giannis always tries and he's always a good pick for uh all star MVP for that reason. So Giannis will be on number three and he'll be in the all star game. Number four for me would be Jokic, uh Nicole Jokic out of Denver. Reigning MVP. Again, like I said earlier, the advance and the analytics would tell you that he's the best player in the league this year, which I firmly believe because the rest of the Snuggets roster. Whew. Without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., and I'm not even a huge Michael Porter Jr. guy, but without Jamal Murray, this team it, it needs some it needs some help. And and Jokic is that guy. Without Jokic, this team would be bottom. Bottom of the West, and and they're just not, they're firmly in the playoffs because of how good Nicole Jokic is. Um, he doesn't bring the ball up the court typically, sometimes he does in specific specific sets, but he gets the ball in his hands right around the 18-17 mark of the shot clock, and the rest of those 18-17 seconds are pretty much predicated on what he decides to do. Sometimes he takes the ball, passes out to the wing, immediately cuts to the post, gets a gets the ball in the post, about 12 seconds left. Faces up, takes somebody to school, sometimes he shoots from the top of the key, sometimes a little give and go, there's a little back cut, it's, it's all sorts of things, and, and and he absolutely runs that offense to the max capacity he can. And something that has been a little bit of a knock on Jokic in the past, but it's certainly not this year, is his defense has been incredible. He's been like a legitimately great rim protector, which has never been the case for Jokic. He's always been okay, sometimes could get exposed when he, when he had took him away from the basket, not this year. He's been playing really, really well on defense. So I, I obviously, an MVP candidate, I can would 100% understand anybody voting for him. Uh, he's incredible. And he would be probably my fourth vote for the uh, NBA All-Star, and he will be there. That is a damn near guarantee. Uh, fifth is where things get a little bit more interesting. Um, but for me, I'm taking LeBron. Uh, it's been, you know, 17 years in the league, and is just still so, so good. 18, 19 years in the league, 19, a lot, a lot of years in the league, and uh, he is. It's LeBron James. <laughs> he's he's arguably putting together one of his best performances of his career when he's approaching 40 years old. the uh, what he's been able to do with this Lakers team, where the rest of the roster has just been so up and down. And the fact that he has to deal with guys like Russ and AD not playing their potential and Mello, old ass Mello and guys like, you know, Malik Monk, who was a reclamation project and Austin Reeves, who's a really good rookie, but was obviously has some deficiencies when it comes to being an NBA player. LeBron doesn't care about any of that. He says, screw it. Give me whoever and I'll go out and win these games and I'll put up 30, 10 and 12 while I'm doing it. It's It's insane. It's amazing. Um, if he keeps doing it, there's going to have to be MVP buzz for him. Which if him winning an MVP in whatever season this is for him—I can't remember at this point—would be probably one of the most incredible achievements in the history of basketball. Uh, he he will be an All Star. He's been an All Star for how many ever years in a row at this point. He just he just knows whenever All Star break is coming around that he's going to be there. Honestly, if you were just trying to guarantee who would be in the All Star game, you weren't doing this at all in a voting situation. He should be your number one bet. But um, I, I'm gonna I would put him at number five on my vote right now. And that's a very, very solid five. His, he, I wouldn't even say he's been the fifth best in the league this year, but that's where he ends up in my vote. You know, LeBron has been absolutely outstanding. He will be an all-star, and he'll be the same uh, ambassador for it that he always is. And he probably will be a captain because of the fan vote, and seeing him always draft is, is a good time as an NBA fan. So LeBron will be an all-star. I would bet my life on it, and we will see him out there doing his usual thing. So that takes me to number six. And uh number I would say I said number five is where it gets a little messy. I would say number six is probably actually where the drop off is. I would have to go Joel Embiid, even though he did miss a decent amount of time in the front half, but so did LeBron. So I can't I guess I can't use that argument. But I'm gonna go Joel Embiid at number six. Um has been the best center in the East pretty much indisputably, which is a good enough reason to put him in. But uh also with the Sixers, a team that's been up and down, has dealt with so much. He's just been consistently great. Uh, you know, He's out there talking shit to KD. He's out there dishing to his teammates. He's knocking down threes, dunking on guys, playing great defense, just being Joel Embiid. He's the same guy we always thought he was, and he is a damn fun to watch. An absolute general in the paint. Just awesome. Uh, he's playing his way into MVP conversation. He's leading the Sixers team that has, has some deficiencies to a pretty damn good season because he's just so damn hard to guard. Uh, I, I really like Joel Embiid. I think he was, even early in his career, a little underappreciated, if not properly hyped. But I think he's starting to get a shine now, and he's really, really good, and absolutely deserves to be an all-star this year. I, I wouldn't think there's even a remote argument with that. So I I, I will have him at six. Um, I can see why other people may put some other people in front of him, but I have him at six, and I certainly believe he will be an all-star. Uh, my number seven vote would be – I'd probably give it to DeMar DeRozan. Um, he, I, I, in the past, and I've talked about this a little bit on the pod before is that I don't think Demar DeRozan is inherently a guy who helps you win a championship because I think there are some major deficiencies in his game, but he has proven this year that that may not be the case anymore. Maybe this, at this point in his career, he's willing to be, he's willing to just work on his strengths and, and use those to score a ton of buckets in which case awesome for the bulls. Um, while he was splitting top dog with Levine earlier in the year, after the COVID bump and everything, uh, Demar's the guy right now for the, ball, the Bulls, and he's been hooping recently. Back to back buzzer beater game It's the first time that's ever happened in NBA history. Uh, just, just a guy with the Bulls right now, where you put the ball in his hands and he goes and gets you a bucket. And there, there, there's just something to be said for that to be an All Star, especially a guy who's averaging twenty whatever a game he's averaging this year. Um, I, I, I really like what Demar's done this year. He's going to be an All Star. This is probably the first one where maybe not a starter just because of the east but I think he will be and he, I mean he'll be at the game 100% he'll be in the game so I'm going to take DeMar as my number 6 and say that he will be in the game that the All-Star game I'm going to say this is the only one I'm not 100% sure I guess I'll go like 95 Uh number 7 certainly now gets a little bit more a little bit more dicey when it comes down to it but I'm going to go with a, because the number one teams uh, almost always have somebody in the All star game. I'm going to say Devin Booker, even with the time he missed, it will probably be in the All star game this year. He's been snubbed a couple of times in the past, uh, but because the Suns have been so good this year, I'm going to go D-Book. Uh, 23 game, not shooting as much as he has in the past, but he's starting to reach that level where there's just so much respect for him around the league that he just gets votes. Uh, Booker is a guy who Even with the little bit of time he missed You can tell when he's on the court Damn, the Suns are really, really good um, I think he and Chris Paul Honestly could probably share this number 7 spot I know that's not possible But they could do that because of the How much they both influence the Suns But I'm going to go with Booker I think he will be at the All-Star Game uh, Maybe not a starter, but I, I do believe He will be there uh, And He's a guy that I, I just want to talk about I, I love what he's been doing this year his uh, shooting numbers are, percentage-wise, not as great as they could be, but that's okay because everything else he's been doing in his game has been just as good. Um, And while we saw in the playoffs last year there are ways to neutralize him a little bit, he has gone the other way and has made it to the point that he has developed his game. He's learned with the guys around him. The guys around him are all now good enough that he can consistently dish. Um, I I would say Devin Booker should be an all-star. He would be around my number seven pick even with the time he's missed this year. And uh, yeah, I I think he will be there. I'll probably give it around a 65 to 70% chance that he is at the all-star game. Now for number eight, which will be my last pick of the day today. I'm going to go a little bit deeper into the bag here and say that I truly, truly believe This guy will be an all-star. I don't know how widely accepted it is quite yet. And I guess just to make things interesting, this could be my guess where he doesn't quite make it, but I still going to put him in. I'm going to say James Harden. Now, I know I spoke earlier about that. He hasn't been as good as he has in the past, which he has. not The numbers aren't quite there. And there's been certainly some games where he flies under the radar. But it's still James Harden. You know, I'm I'm playing a little bit on the fan vote here, which I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know he's gotten a decent amount of fan votes. He's in a big market in Brooklyn. He's still James Harden. There's so many people that absolutely adore him, and he's still a great player. He's definitely still one of the top fifteen players in the NBA. Um, I, I'll take James Harden at my uh my number eight spot. That one again is probably I'm probably pushing it a little bit, but I want to make it a little interesting. So uh, I'll take James Harden here. I'd say, well, I don't. I'm not sure he deserves to be a starter. Uh, I, I think he'll have the votes and he'll he'll get in. I think so. So that'd be James Harden, and uh, he's my number eight. And I'll you know I'll give him like a fifty-fifty just to make things interesting. Obviously, I could have just went with every single lock, but I don't want to do that. I want to leave some for the other guys. So that is my All Star Eliminator. Makes things a little bit more interesting. Uh, we'll see about Book and Harden, but I'm putting my faith in the voters here, and uh, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes into the next few months those should be the starters will be announced right around the end of january and then the the rest of the field which will be 14 more guys will be announced uh in right about the week before the game so probably a little bit later into february now that takes me to the uh, my pick to eat this week uh typically we all have a pick to eat and we talk about them and we say yeah they're gonna have a great week this this and this um Oh, and I'm going to do that, but because it's just me, I'll give a a little bit more detail. Um, I will say my pick to eat this week is going to be... Actually, before I get into that, I want to talk about my last week's pick to eat, who was Donovan Mitchell, who uh, had a pretty decent week. He played three out of four games he could have played in. He had one little rest in there, but he uh, really shined against the, the Pacers with a 37.9 assist show out. I would have to say he ate last week, had another uh, near 30-point game. Played well. He's been uh, for the Jazz, who we don't talk a lot about the Jazz just because they're good. They're just consistently good. And um, even with some guys out here and there, the Rudy Gobert slander, which he doesn't seem to care about. You know, he now has COVID. uh, The Jazz are just good. And Donovan Mitchell is really good. So he he was a good pick to eat. I'm I'm proud of that one. And uh, with that out of the way, I will talk about a guy who is actually going to play the Jazz this week. Um, my pick to eat this week is Darius Garland, uh, who's since coming back to the Cavs, uh, after a couple week break has been amazing. I mean, he's been really good for the, the Cavs so far this year, especially after Colin Sexton went down with an injury. Uh, the Cavs this week play the Kings, the jazz, the Spurs and the thunder. I mean, good teams, a couple good teams, a couple not so good teams, but when Darius Garland has the ball in his hands, he makes things happen. And, uh, the Cavs have been good this year, the whole year, even when they play tall ball. Uh, but that allows a guy like Darius Garland, who can really dish it, can shoot it, can make things happen with the ball in his hand. Uh, when there are so many bigs, there's a lot of guys to pass it to around the rim. There's a lot of guys to set screens. There's a lot of guys to just take up space on the court for you to do your thing. So I think Darius Garland has a big week. I think the Cavs, uh, you know what, I'll give them 3-1. and one. I think they go 3-1 and one this week. And uh, I think they keep making... That pretty damn pretty impressive playoff push in the East. Now, just to wrap up the show, um, I have another topic that something that we don't really get to talk about when all the guys are here, but I, I want to talk about it just because it has been a little bit pressing. And that is uh when Steph Curry broke the record for most threes. There was a conversation that said, Well, well, now what record's gonna be broken? You know, breaking a record in the NBA with a which has had a very long and storied history. Is really cool, and that's why we don't see it too often. Uh, but the next question is, what is the next record we see broken? Uh, I do think this three's record will be broken at some point. Steph's going to keep extending it out, but there's so many guys chasing him, and threes are being launched at just an enormous rate. So somebody's going to catch him eventually. But it won't be for a while because Steph is still playing. So what are some records that I think actually have a chance of being broken? When will they be broken? So I do believe LeBron is going to reach... Kareem's points record. Just to, considering how he's still playing uh, at this point in his career, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon, I guess. I mean, he would have to eventually, eventually, science and biology would have to take over. His body would break down, you'd think. But it's LeBron, so who knows? It's going to be a few years yet. It'll probably be, you know, five years from now. But so that's a long time before that record's broken. But I do think it'll be broken. Do I think any record's broken in the next five years before that? Honestly, probably not. Uh, it's there's so many records that first off, like John Stockton's assist record, that's not being touched. Is steals record, probably not being touched. It, those we could have just because we have guys that we don't have like your standard point guard anymore. Point guards don't pass as much as they used to. Guys don't go for steals as much as they used to because it's just not not worth it more often than not. Was the Jazz bookkeeper probably doing a little home cooking? Yes, that can't happen as much anymore because how. Every game is broadcast to everybody, and the stats are just so much more finely tuned and picked over. So, those those records ain't ever being broken. It's just not going to happen. Beyond that, I'm not sure there are untouchable records for full careers. Some Wilt numbers are never going to be touched, but, like, the, I mean, Wilt played 48 and a half minutes per game one year because he only ever got taken out of one game for more than. For, and he saw out, and that was when he got ejected, and he played all these overtime games. That record's never going to be broken, but I'm not really counting that one. Same with, like, the 100-point record. I don't think anybody's going to ever score 100 points in a game again. I'm not sure we'll ever see 80 in a game again, to be honest. So I guess th- that brings me to my overall point, which is and it's, it's going to be a long time before we see another record get broke. It was quite a while before, since we had the last record broke before Steph. Uh, it, the NBA has had guys that have just been so, so good And and the game has changed so much. I don't really see us having another record broken anytime soon. I don't. And and I don't think that's a sad thing. I think that's really, really cool. I think it's awesome that there are these guys and these records in the books that'll stand for so long. Uh, It's storied ground. And it also makes it even more impressive when they're broken. Uh, When LeBron breaks Kareem's record, which I think he will, it's going to be a a monumentous moment in NBA history. Uh, It's going to be showing, obviously, LeBron taking over, just one of the many crowns he's taken over since his time in the NBA, but I think it's going to show, really, that full passing of the guard, that switch from the old NBA to the new NBA, because the Kareem record is one where every person can point to it and be like, that is old NBA history right there, that is a guy who dominated the time he played, You you can't ignore that, you can't ignore that. But when it gets overtaken, it's going to be kind of that changing, that passing of the torch that says, all right, old NBA. We got a guy who in this new NBA where, granted, offense is up, but LeBron was that good for that long. And Kareem's record, which seems so untouchable for so long, is going to get broken by LeBron James. And I think that's pretty damn cool. So I'm going to take LeBron breaking Kareem as the next record, but I don't think we see one before then. And I don't want to leave you guys hanging. Just after a quick little research I did, my 5 years estimate for LeBron breaking the record was way off. I think it'll be actually like 2 seasons cuz only about 2000 points behind. So we will see one see broken at least relatively soon, but af- after that one broken, I don't think we see one for a long time. And uh I just want to shout out Kareem. Uh that that man scored 38,387 points with one career three-pointer made. Uh LeBron has 36,170 points as of right now and has done it with over 2000 three-pointers made so just uh, it showed that the game has changed kareem did it in an insane rate but it's going to be it's when that record is broken it's going to be quite fascinating and then after that probably nothing for a long time but that is uh that's all I got that's all the time I got uh for my solo pod it was a lot of fun i appreciate you sticking in here till the end if you have um i don't know if i'll get the chance to do this again i, I much prefer doing this with the guys but sometimes you know duty calls So, uh, yeah, hit us up on social media, follow us, uh, please let me know if you, how you thought this went again, if, if there is all of a sudden a demand for this, which there could be, I suppose we can probably work this out and maybe just do like another JP 20 minute episode of the week. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, again, appreciate everybody, appreciate everybody listening in and, um, I'll, I'll see y'all in the next one. Make sure you check out the lifestyle episode, uh, for the incredible interview, which again, I will not spoil, but it's going to be great. And, uh, yeah. I guess I'll namaste these fools out of here, as Liam says. Namaste, everybody. Have a great week. I'll talk to y'all next week.